How's everyone doing this morning? How's everyone doing this morning? Good, good. I'm, I'm excited to be here with you all. Um, like Danielle said, we just got back from Florida last Wednesday, um, and I was talking to, to some people before the service, and it's funny because vacation was a little different before we had kids, right? Like you actually got rest, um, but we were able to unplug a little bit, and, and we had such a fantastic time with our kids and, and uh, with Pastor and Angie and the rest of the of uh, Daniel's side of the family that was able to come together and make it down there. And so we had just an opportunity to kind of unplug and get some rest, and I'm excited to be back with you today. Um, I'm kind of preaching like a little bit of a different message today than what I normally do. Um, I did have a Red Bull before service, so if I, get, if I get too energetic, just like, whoa, just like calm me down, okay? Like I tried to do a backflip earlier this week, and it didn't work out. But I think with the Holy Spirit's help, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm, I'm actually um, sharing a message that I believe is, is super practical today, and it's more, uh, much more teaching than anything, but it's something that, that I have struggled with in my life um, on a great level. In fact, I think that I probably struggle with this more than anything in my life, and um, if you've ever heard me speak, you know that I'm all about vulnerability. I believe in vulnerability, both in, in people who are leading the church and the church body as a whole. And I think that when we are able to be vulnerable with each other, it allows us um, to kind of drop that, that face or that reputation that comes with church and with the reason that 87% of people who don't go to church say that they, that they don't want to go to church is actually because people are judgmental. And if we can, can kind of drop that and just be real with each other, look each other in the eyes and know that like I'm battling through the same things you are and you're battling through things that I'm not, but I'm, I'm, I'm devoted to praying for you and walking through this life together with you. And that's what we believe here at Gateway Church. And this morning, this message is kind of coming straight from, from my diary of struggles, if you will, because like I said, I struggle with this more than anything. And I want to talk to you today about anxiety um, because uh, I'm a very anxious person. In fact, I often lose a lot of sleep, not just because of my two redheaded kids that throw fits at nighttime, um, but also because I, I worry a lot. I'm just going to be honest with you. I worry a lot about things, and I struggle to find peace in my life. And today I want to share with you kind of a revelation that I've had after reading through a section of scripture that has really helped me really, really, to be honest with you, like in the past month, um, helped me get to a place where I'm making progress in this area of my life, and I think that it will help you out as well. Um, the National Mental Health Society estimates that about one-third of, of every adult in America struggles with excessive anxiety. So not just your occasional anxiousness for like getting a job or something like that, but like excessive anxiety that it's like a real problem in their life. And um, I, I will say this, uh, kind of a footnote, is that I totally, totally believe that anxiety is, is like a real physical issue. Like some people do have chemical imbalances and they struggle more with anxiety than others. But at the same time, I think a lot of us are anxious for reasons that are avoidable. And, and that's what I want to talk to you about today is how can we take a step in the right direction? I don't want to... I don't want to like give you this miracle sermon and you're going to cold turkey, never be anxious again in your life, but what does it look like to chase after God and, and uh, rid of this anxiety that the Bible talks about in quite a few places? If you will, open your Bibles with me to Philippians chapter 4, 6 through 7, and we're going to kind of hang out here all of today. It's pretty cool. I'll say this about the Word of God. is it, it's, it's amazing, and we're going to stick on two scriptures today um, for the sermon and there's, there's this awesome thing about the Word of God that when you actually get inside of it, you realize that this, this book that was written thousands of years ago 
is extremely relevant to the things that we go through today. And it's pretty cool because um, normally, like, old books, like, they're not fun to read. Okay, and that's just the truth, all right? Okay, the thous and the these and all the old English and stuff, if you've ever read, like, old English books, like, I don't, I don't thoroughly enjoy that. Um, that's why I avoided literature classes in college. But the Bible is, is extremely relevant to what we face today, and this verse speaks directly to anxiety, not only to the problem, but it provides us with a solution, okay, and then it provides us with the result of what that solution brings in our life, and it's pretty cool. Philippians 4, 6 through 7 says this, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Pretty, pretty powerful verse. Pretty, there's a lot packed in there. And like I said, today I kind of just want to unpack this a little bit. But first, I think that it's important that we, we think about a couple things here. This is Paul. Okay, if you don't know who Paul is, he was an apostle. His life was drastically changed. He once was named Saul. He, he had an encounter with Jesus, and he went on to shake, really, the foundations of the world and, and plant many churches and lead many leaders, and he goes on to write um, a lot of books in the New Testament, okay, two-thirds of the books in the New Testament, okay? So this guy, Paul, is actually writing to the church in Philippi, and most of the letter, he's, he's really encouraging the church. Like, Toshi and I were talking about this. This is, this is like one of the churches that you actually see Paul is kind of proud of. Like, they're actually doing kind of well. And you kind of don't see that very often because, well, people are people. But he spends the first portion of, of this letter to, to the church in Philippi telling them, like, how, how proud he is of what they're doing and a few adjustments here and there. But this is key because this is, this is the final chapter. This is kind of the last thing that he's going to say. And... I think that it's important, and, and we can unpack things in the Bible and context and all that, that normally, like when you give a speech or something, the two most important parts of your speech or of your story are the intro and the conclusion, right? And some of you guys are like, wow, your intro sucked, right? No, I'm just kidding. This is kind of the conclusion. Paul's kind of wrapping up this whole letter, and it's something called recency theory, actually, in psychology. Like I said, I'm going to teach a lot more today. Recency theory suggests that people will always remember, most, most, mostly remember, the beginning and the end of your message more than anything else, okay? And to be honest with you, like, if you're not taking notes today, I'm sorry that you're missing out because, like, they'll, they'll tell you in college, and I think, I'm hoping these stats are real, that they're not just, like, trying to get you to take a bunch of notes, right? You don't think they're real? Yeah, me either. <laughs> take notes. They'll tell you in college, like, like during a lecture, like, if you're not taking notes, you're only going to walk away with 10% of what I actually said, right? And I, you know, they could be just trying to get you to take notes or whatever, but, like, I'm going to be that guy this morning, okay? If you don't take notes, if you don't, like, really pay attention, actively listen, you're only going to walk away with about 10% of what I have to say. But recency theory suggests that Paul put this at the end of the letter because it's extremely important for this church and, and what they're going through. And you gotta understand more context about this time and what was going on in the early church was a lot of persecution. They're walking through a lot of people hating on what they're doing because it's kind of this new theology that this Jesus Christ who recently died for people's sins and, and all of this, they, they kind of were going out of, out of what society's norm was. And so they're being persecuted and I can imagine the level of anxiety in general around that time was pretty high. And... Um, I kind of want to take some time to break this down, but 
First, I want to show you that it's not just Paul that tells us not to be anxious. Jesus actually said it way back when, when he was alive. Matthew 6, 25 says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? So Jesus also tells us not to be anxious. And there's, there's several other places in the New Testament where we, are, where we are challenged to put our anxiety to the side, that, that kind of emotion that we feel. But what is anxiety? Like that, that, that's a key for us understanding. Like if we're going to understand the problem, we have to really understand the root of the problem, okay? And anxiety for me is very real, okay? Oftentimes anxiety will start in my head. I'm thinking about a situation, right, like, like are the Broncos actually going to win this year because their quarterback situation is insane right now. Okay, and so I'm up at night, I'm wrestling in bed like Trevor Simeon, Paxton Lynch. It's kind of an issue in my life right now. If you could pray for me, that'd be great. <laughs> Anxiety is a feeling of worry, nervousness, or unease, typically about an imminent event or something with an uncertain outcome. So anxiety actually stems from not, not knowing what's going to happen is basically how I would sum that up, a feeling of like uncertainty, right? And I struggle with this a lot because like I'm, a, I'm very much like type A personality. Like I like to, I like to get stuff done. I like to know that things are going to get done and that, that's like who I am as a person, okay? And if, if you know Pastor Derek, I'm a very similar leadership style to him. I just have, uh, yeah, I have um, a little, little bit different um, there. Okay, so anxiety is an issue that starts in our mind, okay? And it, oftentimes it moves to our heart. And like I said, there's, there's physical effects of anxiety, right? Losing sleep is one of them, but oftentimes a lot of stress, right? Um, a lot of panic attacks are, are a very real thing that people battle through. But in reality, the, the situ, this is the reality of the situation in America that I believe is the root of this problem, okay? Is that in America, we're, we're going to co come across these problems because the level of responsibility that we have is so high, okay? I'll, I'll speak to the parents in this place as well today, okay? If you know anything about kids, there's a lot of worry that comes with having kids, right? For instance, okay, yesterday I was wrestling with my, my two sons, Judah, who looks like a bear, okay, and Elijah, who's just crazy, all right, and they're both redheads, so it explains a lot. How that happened, no idea, okay. We're having a third kid, and if you could join me in prayer, I'm just kidding, okay. If you're a redhead, I love you. It's just a joke, okay, but, but we're, we're sitting there wrestling, and I'm like, I'm kind of like, I'm like hugging Judah really tight, and my, my son, I turn and look, and my son is on the couch, yelling like ah I was like hey what are you doing and like he like totally just like jumped off and put like put his feet up on my face and I remember that moment when I looked up instant anxiety instant stress it's just one example of the many things that kids will bring you outside of joy okay but anxiety is a very real thing but it starts with worry See, I, I have this belief that, that the root of the problem, like I was saying, is that too many of us are kind of settling in life. Too many of us think that it, it's just enough to get by and that is, this is just something that we're going to have to battle through all of our life. And I, I remember thinking those thoughts like this is just kind of like who I am. Like I kind of just have to get over it. I've got to take some deep breaths. 
right? I got to do all those things. I got to calm myself down. But in, in reality, I want to point this out because this kind of goes with a lot of different things, a lot of different things that we've talked about, whether it's, it's bias, whether it's hate, whether it's lust, if you, you know, if you struggle with that, whether it's lying, whatever it is, okay, that God has not called us to just survive, okay? Uh, he has called us to thrive. And th- this is kind of a quote that Maya Angelou coined a long time ago. She was a, a poet, but she kind of applied it to her own life. I want to apply this to the kingdom of God because this is all that Jesus was about. Okay, this was, this was all that he was about with the Pharisees. And what you got to understand is that Jesus is, is, wants relationship with you. It's not just enough to come to church. It's not just enough to read your Bible every now and then. But Jesus actually wants relationship with you. And until we start learning that, we're just getting by. We're just getting by with what God has for us. We're not thriving in our relationship with Jesus. And I think it's, I think it's similar because I think the Bible's very straightforward. It says that the, the, the two verses that we read, do not be anxious. Like it doesn't get much more straightforward than that on what we're called to do, right? And Jesus also says, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. So if we know that anxiety is an issue, what is keeping us from living without anxiety? What is, what is keeping us from battling this, this thing that hinders us in life from having the peace that we need to live a life full of joy. And I believe that, that we have to have the mindset that God has called us to thrive, not just survive. And speaking of, of relationship, man, you know, there's a, there's a verse in 1 Peter that says to cast all your anxieties on Jesus. But the verse doesn't end there, okay? It says cast all your anxieties on him because he cares about you. It's not just enough to survive. Like, God doesn't want you just to take your problems on him for no reason. No, it's actually because he cares enough about you to, re- to help us realize that, there, that we do actually have a problem. And if we were to live this life without anxiety, that we could experience peace in the joy of God. And once we, once we can grab a hold of that, we understand that there's a why behind what Jesus is doing when he's telling us the what, the what is to cast your anxieties on him but it's because he cares enough about you to want you to live a life free of anxiety. That's powerful to me. And that's, that's the why. So how do we do that? That's, that's kind of always the key, right? Is like sometimes I feel like we know, we know what to do, but how do we move that from here to our heart and begin to actually live it, right? That's the key here. I want to go back to Philippians because we're going to break this down a little bit. You guys with me? Everyone awake this morning? Normally, normally when, the, when my students, right, aren't responding or, like, I can tell they're, they're nodding off, which isn't very often, okay, that's a joke, okay, um, I, I make them stand up and do jumping jacks. So just listen, okay, or else this could get, this could get real sweaty real quick in here, all right? We're going to go back to Philippians, okay? The Bible says, to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Romans chapter 12 t- tells us that. And that's kind, of, that's kind of the root behind how we are to change our lives, is that we actually have to be transformed in our minds. We have to be washed by the water of the word, as another scripture says. And that is actually how we're going to step into change. Well, we're, we're about to do that. We're about to be transformed and renew our minds a little bit by digging into the living word of God that applies to what we're facing today. Does that make sense? So do not be anxious about anything, okay? Straightforward. We have a problem, right? Many of us struggle with anxiety. I'm not going to make you raise your hand, but I know it, okay? I get it. 
especially if you have kids, okay? Especially if you have kids, okay? So we got a problem, but check this out. He says, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. See, what this scripture tells me is that our goal, okay, Jesus' goal for our life, what Paul is saying is that our goal is to get from not being, from being anxious, right? Do not be anxious to this peace that he talks about in verse 7. Right? That's kind of the result. The and tells us that. Okay? The and is like, I have an additional thing to say. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This is kind of interesting because where do we decide like anxiety starts? Starts in your mind and, and travels to your emotion, right? It kind of dictates, dictates the things that you do. Sometimes, like, your heart gets racing. Do you know what I'm talking about? No? Okay, you're all perfect. That's great. Okay, let me, let me say this as well. Like, if you don't struggle with anxiety, this is a great message to share with some of your friends, to share with some of your coworkers. This message, I hope, would not stay in this place. If you don't struggle with anxiety, that is so, so awesome. Okay, but you do struggle with something else, all right? And in reality, you're going to know somebody who greatly struggles with anxiety because it's become a reality in America today. Is that between debt and credit cards and, and children and, and all these things that we have to do to, to keep a house and keep a job, anxiety is extremely prevalent today, okay? So how, how do we get from the anxiety that Paul's talking about to the peace of God? Let's look at, let's look at that, that, that phrase in the middle in verse 6 there. It says, but in everything by prayer and supplication. Okay, he's giving us a solution. Okay, so instead of being anxious, do this. But in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Now, some of you guys are like, I, I understand that I'm supposed to pray. But prayer in itself, when it comes to anxiety, is not enough. Okay, follow me, okay, follow me here. You actually have to pray with thanksgiving in your heart. Is that, okay, you have to pray with thanksgiving in your heart, okay. Here's the reality, of, think about this, okay. When you are anxious, what are you doing? You're worrying about things that you don't know, that you don't have. You don't have a certainty of the future. You may not have that job yet. When you're thankful, what are you doing? You're being grateful for what you do have. Anyone else's mind just explode? No, that's asking too much. Sorry. Okay. We move from anxiety to the peace of God on the bridge of thankful prayer. Thankful prayer. And it's kind of cool because oftentimes I'll share like God is not a slot machine. Okay? You can't just like put a quarter in pull the lever, and hope that you're going to hit the jackpot, and eventually God will answer your prayer, okay? I don't think God lives in Las Vegas, <laughs> okay? Let's be honest, okay? No, I'm just kidding. That's a joke. But in reality, does anyone know what supplication is? Supplication is asking for something. Supply. God, will you supply? And the definition of supplication actually adds in humbly or meekly, specifically. 
So if we were to pray, be willing to pray, to communicate with God, to be aware of his presence in our life, and pair that with supplication, to not be afraid to ask God for stuff, to ask God the requests that are on our heart, the things that we actually want, if we were not to worry about how we could take care of it, but actually bring it before God with thanksgiving for what he's already given us, then we might have the peace of God which surpasses anything that you could ever imagine or plan. And would it make your life perfect? No. But it certainly will guard your heart from the things that are going to come at your life. It certainly will guard your mind from the thoughts that are going to come of negativity, from the thoughts that are going to come from the enemy that you're not good enough, that you don't have enough, that you'll never be enough. Are you guys with me this morning? This is practical. This is so practical because I, I, I'll just be honest with you. I, I was sharing with Danielle like a month ago. Um, I was kind of like, I think I was stressing about camp, right, because we do, we do camp every year, and I had the opportunity to speak this year. It was kind of, we didn't know much like of what it was going to be like going into camp. So like the couple days before camp, I was struggling to get some sleep because just at night, my mind, it's weird. Like as soon as my head hits the pillow, my mind just starts racing, and um, Danielle doesn't operate that way. Like, her head hits the pillow. She's gone. I'm like, hey, babe. babe. <laughs> she's asleep, okay? My head hits the pillow, and my mind just goes crazy. More, more nights than it doesn't. And it's hard because I don't get rest. And I remember, like, okay, I need to figure out what to do here. I need to figure out how to solve this problem because it's affecting me. I'm tired during the day. I'm groggy. I've had 10 cups of coffee in the last day. I need something, Right? And so I just remember opening to this verse because I, I had heard of it before and, and read it and I knew it dealt with anxiety and I knew you're supposed to pray and all that stuff. But as I was breaking this down, that word thanksgiving stuck out to me so much. And I was like, why have I not seen this before? It makes so much sense that when you're anxious, you're worrying about what you don't have. But when you're thankful, you're actually being grateful for what you do have. And there's, there's, kind, of, there's kind of three things that, that I think if we could see these things that it would help us stay on, the, on, on thanksgiving in our lives. It would help us stay on thankfulness in our lives. And as soon as I put this principle into practice, okay, as soon as it moved from here, that revelation, to here in my life, and I actually started when I would get anxious, to hop out of bed, get on my knees, and say, God, I am so thankful for this. I'm so thankful for that. I'm so thankful for my family and being able to live in America. And being, all of a sudden, you're like, wow, it really doesn't matter what happens. Wow, it's cool. I mean, it does, but like at that moment, you're like, oh, it is literally impossible to be anxious and thankful at the same time. Try it. <laughs> I, I'm serious. Like, we, we got to cure people. But here's the reality of the situation. These three, these three things are going to keep it for us. These three things are going to help us live that. The first one is this, priorities, okay? It's important to note that Paul has not challenged us to be perfect, Right, I kind of said this already, like you're not going to go home today and quit cold turkey, okay? But what you do have the opportunity to do is get your priorities straight, okay? Too often we are, we are more worried about physical things in our life than we are of our spiritual well-being. Okay, this is, this is, the, this is a huge, huge, huge problem because what happens is, is the way that our priorities get misaligned is by pride, that we actually, we actually think that we know what's best, 
We're going to make the best decisions for us instead of seeking God's counsel, seeking his wisdom via the word of God and via prayer. And via asking God for things. And when that peace comes, it will actually surpass any understanding. It will surpass all understanding, actually, because God's plan for you, even though you don't know it, is greater when, than what you think his plan should be for you. Are you hearing what I'm saying this morning? God's plan for you is greater than what you think your plan should be for yourself. And sometimes we don't understand that because we've got our priorities wrong. See, when we become anxious, life becomes about us. When we become anxious, life becomes about us. All of a sudden, it doesn't matter God's plan anymore. It's not, it's not on our minds because we don't have what it takes to trust in him in that moment. And all of a sudden, we're like, whoa, what if this happens? And we forget that God has a plan through everything. But be it that God has a perfect will in our life. Jesus sets this example when he asks in the garden, right? He's about to go die on the cross. And he cries out to God because he knows how much pain and turmoil he's going to go through. And it doesn't sound pleasant. And he says, Lord, if there's any other way that this cup could pass from me, let it be so. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. See, when you understand that God has a plan for your life, when you understand Okay, in a way that that plan was predestined, that God has in mind for you what you don't know yet, you have to understand that priority says that your obedience to God, right, should not be judged, should not, should not move based upon what you think the outcome will be. Does that make sense? Your obedience to God be, being the first priority in your life, to actually get on your knees and pray because God said so, because God challenges you to do that, shouldn't say, well, whatever God does, he's going to do. See, this is, this is a huge problem with, like, Arminianism versus Calvinism, if you know that argument, right? Like, Calvin, Calvinists suggest that everyone was predestined, that, that God knew way, you know, who was going to go to heaven, who's not. Arminianists are on the other side, and they say, well, it will, it will eventually, you know, work itself out, and people aren't predestined. But what about this middle argument that says, okay, even if God did predestine people, which is what Paul says in a few places, okay, even if God didn't predestine people, how does that change the way I live? How does that change the way that I'm called to live? Because my Bible says that I'm called to go there for and make disciples regardless of if God has a plan for them or not. Are you, I mean, are you with me? Because this, this applies to what we're talking about today. Can you understand that, that even if you're not going to get that job, it doesn't matter. God has called you to come before him with prayer and supplication and ask him for what you want because he's a good father. But too many of us skip that step in obedience because we think that we know what it takes to get the outcome. That's the root of anxiety. Life becomes about us. So we have to get our priorities straight. The second thing is that we have to understand our position, which is kind of what I, I, I talked about. This allows us to be okay with God's will. When you understand that God the creator, God your father, is a good, good father, okay? Chris Tomlin wasn't lying, okay? And he has a plan for your life. And Romans 8.28, for how, however many times we're going to take it out of context in the church, I believe it to my heart that all things work together for good for those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. And Paul was actually talking about that in the midst of persecution. 
that we understand that, look, even if you are persecuted for the cause of Christ, that it's actually going to work out for good in your life. And even if you don't get that job that you wanted oh so dearly, or even if that check doesn't come through, or even if that person stabs you in the back, that it's actually going to work out together for good. And you understand that your position is not to put yourself in a place to become the plan maker, but the plan follower. And until we understand that, anxiety is going to continue to, to flow in our lives and continue to be the first response that happens when, when crisis comes up. Instead of following these steps and allowing peace to be the result of crisis. Can you imagine crisis in your life in instant peace because you trust in God that much? Because you understand your position just that much? The last thing is perspective. I'm going to close on this if, if uh, we can have the keys come up here. See, perspective is what keeps us in a place of thanksgiving. And here's, here's my question to you today, okay? My question to you is this, because we know First Peter says, cast all your anxieties on him because he cares about you. Is, are you settling for something that Jesus is offering to take from you? Are you settling for something in your life that Jesus is offering to take from you? In a very real way, right? It's, it's pretty simple, right? Cast all your anxieties on him. But too many of us don't want to do that because we want to hold on to it. We want control. But he, here's the perspective that we all need, okay? You can start playing. Thanks. Here's the, here's the perspective that we all need, all right? Is that regardless of your physical circumstances, regardless of where you're at in life, whether it be financially, regardless of, of how your family life is right now, regardless of any of that. What Jesus did when he came on the cross for us was he gave us a gift of eternal life that is not swayed by circumstance. He gave us a gift that allows us, no matter what we are void of, to never have an excuse not to be thankful in life. Do you realize that? That what Jesus did for us was he said, no, I'm not, I'm not just going to ask you to be thankful all the time. I'm actually going to give you a very clear reason why you should be thankful. And I'm going to supply your need. Because you need to be thankful in order to be free from anxiety. You need to be thankful to be free from these things. And in order for us to get to that level of that peace, that quite frankly, I don't know who doesn't want peace in their life. Because worrying is terrible. Like, like having that pit in your stomach that's like you're just not sure what's going to happen. That's a terrible feeling. And it deprives you of life. It deprives you of joy. It deprives you of like, oh, I'm good. It deprives us of that. It deprives us of joy. And, and in order for us to bridge the gap, I think that we have to remember what, what we can be thankful for. I'm thankful for a lot of things. You know, and this is kind of weird because it's not Thanksgiving. So I'm not at like a table and making jokes about what I'm thankful for. My family hates me, okay? But there's one thing that I can always be thankful for. And that is the love of Jesus. That's, that surpasses any circumstance. It surpasses any level of uncertainty in my life. It surpasses, it, it, it surpasses threats even to the point of death because I know that I'm going to obtain salvation because of the love of Jesus. And so when we understand that, we actually understand that the bridge between anxiety and peace 
is Jesus' love. Will you guys stand with me? I want to kind of share this story in closing because I think it's super relevant today. There's a story of, of, a, uh, of, a, of a class, basically. It's a college class, and there's a professor who's giving a lecture, and he, and he starts to ask the question, you know, if God, is, if God is real, why is there hate in the world? If God is love, how can there be hate? Obviously, God's not real. Some of you guys may have heard this. It's pretty, it's pretty popular. Well, a student raises his hand to the question, and he says, Professor, is cold real? Does cold exist? And the professor says, yeah, like, of course cold exists. Like, that's why we shiver. That's why there's ice. And the student turns and says, actually, in fact, cold does not exist. Cold is simply the absence of heat. And that's what the laws of physics tell us, is that cold is just the absence of heat. And in the same way, hate is the absence of love. Hate is the absence of love. I think, it, I think it applies to anxiety in our life and what God has for us. Because maybe, maybe, okay, anxiety doesn't really exist. Maybe anxiety is simply the absence of God's love. Maybe anxiety is simply the absence of thankfulness in our lives. Here's what, I want, here's what I want us all to do as a church is just close your eyes where you're at. I want you to think about some of those worries in your life, whether it's your job, maybe you're having marriage issues and it, it brings up a lot of stress in your life. Maybe your kids have, have uh, left the house and they don't talk to you anymore or they've fallen away from the Lord and they just they don't want anything to do with you. Maybe you're on your last paycheck and you just don't know where that next one is going to come from, whatever it is, I want us to, to put this into practice. I want it to go from our head to our heart this morning. I just want you to cast that on Jesus. I want you to let it go. Take a deep breath. And now I want you to think about all the things that you're thankful for in life your family, the opportunity to live in America where we can worship freely, that you can actually be at church today, the things that you do have, for God's plan for you that you may not know yet, but you know it's good because God said it is good. I know it's hard. <laughs> and trust me, I don't know everything you guys are going through, but I do know this that when we choose to be thankful, when we choose to put God in the position that he's deserving of in saving us and saving our lives, that things become manageable because we understand that they're in the hands of the maker of the heavens and the earth. And there's no greater level of trust than that. Father, we thank you for today and God, we thank you for who you are, that you give us peace that is of you, God. And because of that, you guard our hearts and our minds and you surpass any expectations that we could ever have when we begin to trust in you, God, and put things in your hand. 
Father, that we might begin to measure success, that we might begin to measure these things a little bit differently, not off of worldly success or what we think should happen, but off of success of our character and our integrity and the things that you're calling us to do when nobody is looking. And God, we choose thankfulness. We choose to cast worry on you, Jesus, because that's what you died for. And we commit today, Father, to not letting that be for nothing. I thank you for the gift of eternal life. And I thank you that no matter what's going on around me, Father, that I know in my heart, through faith, that I have that, Jesus. And I'm so thankful. Lord, let us operate in all wisdom. Let us take counsel, God. Let us do all the things that your word tells us to do when it comes to making decisions. But God, let us bring before our heart's desire to you, God, and lay it out in obedience and be okay if you don't give it to us. May your peace surpass all of our understanding, God. May it reign in our lives. May it be the first response to trust in you, God, and to be thankful for the things that we do have. And may we put anxiety on the back burner, God. Thank you, Jesus, for who you are. I thank you for this opportunity that we have to do just that. Father, I just... Also, just pray for Charlottesville and the things that are going on and the anxiety that is in our nation, God, and the uncertainty. And I pray that we would be ambassadors of your peace and of your love as we go today. Allow us to be the church and understand that the church is people. It's your bride. Father, let us be a pure representation of that. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thank you guys for joining us this morning. Um, if this is your first time or maybe you haven't attended our guest welcome yet, we just want to get the chance to meet you. That just kind of happens in the back of the sanctuary real casually. You'll see some people holding some booklets and a small gift that we just want to give to you as a thank you for coming. And, and if you get the chance to just say hi to someone on the way out, we'd love to meet you. So we'll see you next week. Have a great week.